from the thoughts I cannot say to you If I don't say the words then maybe it's not true Good morning, it's cup final eve and we've got Ben Jacobs back, it's a double reason to celebrate, welcome back Ben. One reason to celebrate a cup final and then bittersweet because I came on the show the day before. Nah, you're a Newcastle fan really Ben, we know that, you're Leicester, I know you're Leicester but you, you know you're, you're black and white this weekend, I've got no doubt about that but uh, welcome to everybody in the chat, welcome to the moderators, um, it's, it, it is exciting. Um, even at the ripe old age of 51 that I am now, I still get excited uh, when we have moments like this. We don't have them often enough at Newcastle. Let's hope it's going to change. Uh, but look, just enjoy it, people. That's all I'm going to say. Enjoy this moment. If you're young, if you're old, if you're uh, middle-aged like me, um, then just enjoy the whole experience. And, and it's great today, Ben, just watching social media. You're, you're active on Twitter, as I know. Uh, it's great just seeing various people tweeting now that the various stages of travel some people at the station some thousands of people getting off the early train this morning at newcastle at central um from central station now arriving at king's cross singing um and yeah it, i mean it, it's just great isn't it cup finals are, are there to be enjoyed i think so and ultimately a lot of the joy around a cup final is the anticipation so if you win it it's special it's memorable it's historic and that's what everybody wants but i think that fans should relish as you've alluded to the journey the ritual the fact that you get to do it with your friends and family walking into wembley stadium kickoff teams out anything around the game is kind of one part of this and then afterwards, it's about digesting the result, but don't let it ruin the day and the experience because a lot of Newcastle fans have waited years and years for this. There's those in an older generation that do remember previous successes, but for many, it's an absolute first in terms of a big major cup final. And even from Manchester United's point of view, there's a new mood and era under Eric Ten Hag. So there's also a lot of expectation and that's what makes this i think such a showpiece it feels significant and not just season defining but to an extent era defining from both the perspective of newcastle and manchester united and the reason why i bring up the first bit is because i've been there as a leicester fan just removing my journalist cap for a moment we went to many a league cup final in the martin o'neill era but also playoff finals as well and when you're outside of london in particular and you're not used to going there season on season. It's very special being able to get in a car and dangle a, in my case, Leicester scarf out of the window and a fox out of the sunroof. We used to have an old Peugeot, it was red, and dad would open up the sunroof, put a toy fox through the sunroof and then wedge it shut. So we'd go down the motorway and the fox would be peeking out and the scarf would be waving. And every probably 200 meters, and on the way back in traffic, it was stationary. You'd see other Leicester cars and fans beeping and interacting. And that was really special as a kid. And when you make that long journey down from Newcastle United, whether you're driving or training, you're going to interact with a range of different fans. And you're going to see what it means to people visually and through conversations you have. And one of your biding memories might be something fleeting, just passing by a car or a bus. And I know young kids in particular really enjoy that, the fact that they get to wave to everybody. And yes, you get that on a match day, but everyone will be more doled up. Everyone will be more excited. Everyone will be more engaged. And actually part of that cup final experience is uniting a fan base, a city, a community. And you get that in the build-up. And there's hopefully going to be a really positive attitude and atmosphere because before a ball's kicked, Newcastle and Manchester United fans can have a bit of synergy here because Manchester United are hoping the Glazers era ends and they can win a trophy under Ten Hag to set the tone. And Newcastle feel like a year and a bit on from the takeover, there's been a dramatic change and the club is on the up. And that unity of excitement takes us actually back to the very core. We watch it because we're passionate about it. We watch it because we make friends. We watch it because we want to shout and scream and cheer. And these days don't 
come along often and can be taken for granted when you're a bigger club and you do get to finals with more regularity. But this is the beginning of Newcastle's journey under new ownership. It's the beginning of Manchester United's journey under Eric Ten Hag. And I think when you add those two things up, we should be in for a very special day and enjoy it. What did you make of um, uh, Ten Hag's press conference uh, yesterday? I'm going to start with that because it's in my mind. Um, I thought it was interesting. I think there's a bit of kidology going on. Um, if I'm being perfectly honest, I think that Rashford's fully fit and, and raring to go. Um, and I do feel the mention of Newcastle's uh, Newcastle United being annoying um, was a, an attempt maybe to wind Newcastle up a little bit, but also to have the officials keep an eye on what Newcastle's uh, been up to this season, um, you know, with the alleged time wasting and, uh, you know, what, what some, some managers probably look at as a little bit of bad sportsmanship and gamesmanship. I think sometimes when a manager does a press conference and you just read the words, the tone can be forgotten a bit. And from Eric Ten Hag's perspective, he is speaking in a second language as well. But the annoyance comments were clarified. And he did say they try to annoy you and therefore Manchester United have to play their own game. I wouldn't read too much into that. We know that when a team annoys you, it's a sign of respect, but also a clash of styles. And that is exactly what we are going to see in all likelihood. Newcastle, I would expect, will be defensively resolute. We'll try and hit Manchester United on the counter-attack. We'll use their weapons from wide areas. And obviously, central midfield is going to be very important as well. But they'll be happy to surrender the ball without showing Manchester United respect, just sticking to their own style. And then Manchester United's style is a little bit different, slightly more expansive. Eric Ten Hag will want to be direct and on the front foot as they were really in both legs against Barcelona. And ultimately, if Eric Ten Hag is fearful of Newcastle annoying Manchester United, it just shows you by implication that he knows they're going to be in for a tough game. And it's that clash of styles, clash of managers and their different philosophies that I think is going to be really intriguing because Ten Hag is building a team with a more innate expectation of winning week in, week out. Whereas Newcastle are arguably still forming a bit of their identity. The ownership identity almost came first and then Eddie Howe first and foremost had to fight off relegation. So only this season are we starting to see the identity, but because they're doing so well, they're almost ahead of themselves in terms of a football identity. So you can see what Eddie Howe wants to do. We know that he's also attack-minded, wants to play fast and direct, but sometimes you have to alter that strategy either because of the weapons at your disposal or the opposition that you're playing. And obviously, if Newcastle reach the full journey and become automatic Champions League, become a regular winner of things, they won't be worrying too much about another team's style. Whereas I think coming into this game, it's absolutely true that if Rashford's fit, and I do think that he will be involved in the game despite that knock against Barcelona, then Eddie Howe's thinking, how do I stop Rashford? Whereas Eric Ten Hag is probably more saying, how do I get the best out of my players to do the damage rather than what do I do about Bruno or Miguel Almiron? And that's the difference to some extent, but it also has to be the difference because if you're going to have less of the ball, then you have to think about the majority of the game when your opponent is going to be on the ball. And therefore, for larger periods of the game, you are trying to shut out what a team like Manchester United does. And that's not to say Newcastle are the underdog or that they've got an inferiority complex or they're showing Manchester United more respect. It's just the fact that Newcastle's primary concern will be to make sure that when Manchester United are on the ball, they're organised and then they win second balls, they're hungrier. Then when they get their opportunities through pressing, through winning the ball back or just through their own phase of play, they make sure that they're positive and direct and clinical and take their chances, which is ultimately football in a nutshell. But it's two different styles. And I think when Eric Ten Hag was talking about Newcastle being annoying, it's ultimately the fact that there's unity, there's controlled aggression, there's cohesiveness, there's defensive resoluteness. And as a consequence, if Newcastle keep the game tight, they'll be quite happy to try and keep a clean sheet and steal it 1-0 and maybe won't care so much if it's the best League Cup final in the world. It's just about winning. And that kind of annoys Ten Hag 
loosely speaking, because Manchester United at the moment are all about entertaining, all about bossing games, all about being enthralling, enticing. And we saw that in a tremendous spectacle over two legs against Barcelona. But Newcastle on their day, very entertaining as well and very dynamic. And you look at how they tore my side, Leicester, apart in the first half. And they can play that kind of game as well. And this is sort of what intrigues me about the whole pattern of the final. If you get to half time and it's nil-nil and it's a little bit cautious and defensive-minded, I think Newcastle will take that. But if either team does score early, and especially if Newcastle fall behind, they're quite capable of playing a more open game and going blow for blow. So this is going to be a very unpredictable League Cup final, in my opinion, because Newcastle can play two ways and Manchester United can score a lot of goals. So we could easily get an end-to-end -end open thriller, which is difficult to call and oscillates and teams come from behind. And I think you'll get that if Manchester United score first in the game. But if it ends up being tighter, I think that helps Newcastle. And if it's the worst League Cup final in the world in terms of its spectacle and it's nil-nil after 60, 70, 80 minutes, then I think Newcastle will be fine with that and have every expectation that they can nick a 1-0 win. What did you make of Newcastle's uh, media preparation uh, for the cup final? First time we've had to do it in 24 years, of course, but um, split up over uh, a selection of players. Obviously, we had Eddie Howe, uh, we had Bruno, uh, Dan Byrne, Sean Longstaff and Kieran Trippier yesterday. And uh, I've listened to them all, um, all brought something a little bit different uh, to the table. Uh, but of course, Byrne and Long Longy, the uh, the two local lads as well, which is great to see for, for a Newcastle fan's perspective. But yeah, what, what have you made of the way Newcastle have handled the media stuff this week? I think they've done really well. I mean, you want to put up players and have them talk authentically. That's the most important thing. And you want to hear as a journalist from a vast array, the more players, the better. And it's normal to kind of have a press day, which is more associated with pre-season and then just alternate the players between media. So everybody kind of gets 10 minutes with each. I really enjoyed hearing from Dan Byrne. Let's not forget he's gone from collecting trolleys at Asda 12, 13 years ago to potentially collecting a trophy. And it would be very special for him in particular. And having scored that goal as well a couple of weeks back, he's in excellent confidence and form. And maybe the stage is set for a kind of unlikely hero like him. So that was a very enjoyable interview. It was a very personable interview as well. And then with Kieran Trippier, I think it was a little bit more tactical in what he said. He's well media trained. His passion came across well. And it was intriguing to me to hear him speak back about his time at Atletico Madrid and what he learnt there heading into a big occasion and the rub-off influence of Diego Simeone. And he responded also to this notion of sort of cheating and that grey area of how you win a football match. So that was a little bit more game-centric in what he was speaking about and maybe a bit more contentious in terms of how when you're with a big team, you learn from the manager, you learn to play the ref, you learn to read the room and what does constitute cheating or not cheating. And I thought that he handled that line of questioning very well, but it only illustrated as well how inexperienced really this Newcastle United side are in many ways with this type of occasion. When you get to a League Cup final, sometimes you're the favourite in a lot of games because you play lower league opposition. And even right up until the semi-final against Southampton, Newcastle were expected to win. So perhaps it doesn't hit you that you're in a League Cup final because you're just playing a load of games. And at that point earlier in the tournament, the League Cup isn't your number one priority. You're flying in the league and then you suddenly get a semi-final and it's massive. But quarter-final as well, they were favourites against Leicester. So you've actually come through the business end of that tournament and now you've got a game against Manchester United where maybe, according to the odds, you're not the favourites. You're at Wembley Stadium and I think it just hits you. And that's where a player like Trippier in particular is going to be vital because he's been there at a big club. He's played in some top games before 
And that experience and that leadership is going to be really crucial. And I think it's the same for Bruno as well on the leadership side. He's not got that like-for-like -like comparison with Trippier in terms of managers that he's worked under or huge games before outside of Newcastle United. But it's absolutely clear that he's a leader. And if things don't go Newcastle United's way, then he's going to be able to pick players up instantly on the field. And I think that that manner in which the Newcastle players throughout the season and in this game even more so talk to each other and communicate and react and don't let their heads drop if things go against them is going to be very important. And that's why Bruno is so significant. And when he was doing the media interviews, I think the thing that came across for me was just that kid-like passion for football, the leadership, the love for Newcastle United. So that was a factor, I think, in allowing him to be one of the players that speaks regularly and in the build-up to this match, that he just seems to wear his heart on his sleeve playing for Newcastle, but also speaking about Newcastle United as well. And to that point, I think we can reference Miguel Almiron and speak about the new contract as well, because the fact that Newcastle have announced that right before the League Cup final is a big boost for everybody at the club as well. And it shows you that they've got players that are going to be linked elsewhere that really want to stay. And Bruno's the same. He'll want to stay at Newcastle. He'll want to ultimately make himself a legend of which he can start now. Because people don't remember individual goals or moments. They're a bit more fleeting. They remember trophies they remember promotions they remember significant wins and i think bruno will be eyeing up a game like this to really put himself down in permanent folklore rather than decade upon decade folklore and that's why he's so significant and then with how obviously a lot of the talk framed around the missing nick pope which was unfortunate Dubravka cup tied so in comes carius astonishingly with a chance to redeem himself from the last big final that he played in I mean, this is like, it's fairy tale stuff. It's Roy the Rover stuff, isn't it really, Ben? I mean, potentially, it, it's going to it's gonna go one of two ways if, as we expect, Carrier starts as the goalkeeper tomorrow. Um, it's either going to go as a game where Carrius is the man of the match and he lifts the trophy with Kieran Trippier, or he drops another big clanger. There's no in-between for Carrius in this game. No, and Carrius has got a tattoo down the side of his neck, which reads fearless. And that's very apt because he's going to have to walk in, presuming he starts and will, unless there's any late injury news. He's going to have to come in quite rusty and you train. And as a goalkeeper, your week looks exactly the same as any other goalkeeper in terms of saving a bunch of shots and being in all the tactical meetings. But you've still not been in that match environment. You've still not dealt with a big stadium full of noise, a hostile crowd. And you know what I would do if I was Newcastle United and we you walked out and have not really looked at the ends yet, but if they come out and they are kicking towards the Manchester United fans behind the goal, then I think they'll be delighted with that because it means that Manchester United will be attacking the Newcastle end in the first half. And that, I think, will just help carry us bed in. But if I was Manchester United, even though it's a little bit atypical, because second half, you probably want to be kicking towards your own fans, I might be considered with a coin toss to switch sides and put Carrius under that pressure in the first 45 minutes of them attacking their own end and Carrius having to be behind a bunch of Manchester United fans for the first 45 minutes. And that could well be a small but significant factor in terms of getting into the head of Carrius. So he's a top goalkeeper. He's a great shot stopper and it could help Newcastle because there's incentive there due to the fact that he's looking for redemption from that Champions League final against Real Madrid, where he made, unfortunately, those errors. But let's not forget as well, when people kind of build this as a redemption story and say that it might happen again, that it was subsequently revealed that he was suffering from concussion following that early clash with Sergio Ramos. So this isn't only about a goalkeeper blowing it. This isn't only about a near comedic string of 
errors and wobbles. This is also, unfortunately, a time when he should have been taken off. And there would have been another goalkeeper between the sticks. So we need to remember that, that it wasn't only a mental lapse. He was also suffering during that game from concussion. And there's more at play. And now we're far enough on from it and he's at a new club that there's no need to delve into that moment and start making excuses or overanalyzing it. But the broad point is that he is looking to redeem himself from that final and he's got a wonderful opportunity. And that is exactly what Howe said. It's a, quote, magnificent chance for him to rewrite the story of his career. And not only that, it's a chance beyond this game to start either putting himself in the shop window or moving up the pecking order at Newcastle United. And I think it's the former because Nick Pope is always going to be the number one at this football club for the foreseeable future. Can he supplant Dubravka or is there a choice come the summer between one or the other leaving? Absolutely. And if Karius writes himself in folklore, then even though it sounds a bit ridiculous because who strives for this, he could become the number two goalkeeper at the football club. And that might mean that he plays in the League Cup, the FA Cup next season. It might mean that he gets a Champions League run out in a game where Newcastle have got a bit less at stake. You just don't know. And as Nick Pope showed, you also can't predict what's going to happen to goalkeepers. So he could end up getting a run in the side. So this is a real opportunity. But I sense that it's also that chance to say to other clubs, newly promoted teams perhaps that are close to returning to the Premier League, others within the Premier League that are reconsidering their first choice goalkeepers. Look at Leicester. Danny Ward is not safe. We've been linked with Martin Dubravka. So Karius will be thinking of that type of club and saying, it's only one game, but it might be career defining for me to rewrite the past and to either put myself in the shot window or make Newcastle reconsider my worth at this football club. Because without this game, he was just there lingering in the doldrums, not playing way down the pecking order. I just don't see how, even on decent wages, that was a acceptable situation or one that gave you any real joy because everyone wants to play. So I think that this is a key game for Carrius. And I really hope whether Newcastle win or lose, that he has an outstanding game simply because if the opposite happens and there's another error, there's another problem, then that would be such a shame because people will turn back to that Champions League. They'll speak about Nick Pope being absent. They could put it all on him if there's an error, even if it's a small lapse of judgment rather than anything big. So I'd love to see him have an outstanding game. And if he does, there's a very good chance that Newcastle will keep a clean sheet and win the game. Yeah, I mean, again, we never know what's going to happen. I mean, Gillespie, of course, will, will now be on the bench if, if Carrier starts. A Geordie lad, he's played three games for Newcastle. Um, but again, you know, it's, it's another story, another fairy tale. If he if he had to come on, it means that maybe Carrier yeah. is, you know, injured and, and and Gillespie could be the hero. It's it's, it's got so many permutations. This game, it, it, it's fantastic. And um, looking at the Manchester United team, um, you you cover, um, you know, you cover the Premier League yourself um you know who should we be worried about and concerned about i mean i still believe that this is kidology from ten hag i think i think rashford will be fine um but yeah they, they've got a they've got a, a a bigger squad a better squad it has to be said um and they're a form team at the minute they are a form team it's cup final though so a lot can go out of the window different intensity pace stadium atmosphere everything and Newcastle have had longer to prep, which might be significant as well. Manchester United had no choice but to play a top starting 11, their best starting 11 against Barcelona. And that was midweek. And now they've got to play on a Sunday. And those players could, to a degree, get a hangover. We see it regularly from European football to league football. Whether or not that translates from European football to a League Cup final, we have to wait and see. But I think that what is effective about Manchester United is obviously Rashford, which is why it will be important if he starts. He's scoring goals for fun. He's the top scorer in Europe's five major European leagues since the World Cup break. So he's the threat. 
But what we're seeing is that as defenders now start to work out a plan for Rashford, there are other players within the football club that are contributing with goals. Sancho is one example. And I don't think that Newcastle's defenders, should he start, will enjoy playing against Veghorst either. He's been a little bit hit and miss. He's been starved of service at times, but he offers something a bit more physical and old fashioned. And even though we know that Newcastle are up for that kind of physical battle, I don't think they faced that too many times this season. So it'd be interesting to see whether or not he actually proves relatively integral in a less cultured way, in a less direct way, as that kind of target man, as that physical presence to really get under the skin of Newcastle's defenders. Luckily, from Newcastle's point of view, they tend to relish that kind of challenge, but they haven't faced it, as I say, that often this season. So he could well be a threat. And then we also know that at the back, they're very solid. So Martinez and Varane have formed an excellent partnership, keeping Harry Maguire outside of the team. And De Gea has found tremendous form. He's always been a phenomenal shot stopper. But in the last sort of 10 games or so, I think that he's just been all around absolutely outstanding. And he's made saves that aren't just good saves. They're goal-saving saves that he's got no real right to make. And that contrast, perhaps, between Carius coming in and De Gea and his consistency might prove pivotal. And then we have to mention Casemiro as well. What a player he's been for Manchester United since joining, money well spent. And funny, really, because they spent much of that summer chasing after Frankie de Jong, even though it never looked particularly likely. And then a late move for Casemiro, which caught a lot by surprise. And he's been absolutely outstanding. And he's also shown that he can weigh in with goals as well. And alongside him, Fred scored a goal against Barcelona as well. And we have to mention Bruno Fernandes too. So everywhere you look in that Manchester United side, there's balance, there's unity. They know what their role is, what they're doing. They can score goals, they can keep clean sheets, and they've got leaders. So there's threats everywhere. And the other thing is the bench has got a lot of depth too. They can bring on a Harry Maguire at the back. They have got Dallow, who didn't play against Barcelona, who will play in the League Cup final because he's their best right back. So that tells you that Wan-Bissaka is the depth there. They've got Ganacho, Scott McTominay, I still think is a really good player, could easily end up moving to Newcastle United if Manchester United let him go. They've been looking at him really for the last two windows and Anthony as well offers something a little bit different so when you compare the teams like for like I think Newcastle's starting 11 had the kind of momentum in the first 15-20 games of the season that Manchester United starting 11 have now got and then if you look at the benches Manchester United have got a few more options than Newcastle at this stage so if we were only analysing it on paper you would call Manchester United the favourites for those reasons but this is a League Cup final and we can't underestimate the Newcastle United fans and their influence on the game. We can't underestimate what this means to the Newcastle United squad. We can't underestimate how Eddie Howe's been there and being able to build something for a little bit longer than Eric Ten Hag. And that can be a factor in terms of the manager getting the best out of his players in a one-off match. And Manchester United, with the same players, even though they weren't under the same momentum, have had their wobbles in the past. Look at their poor start to the season. Look at some of the games where they have conceded cheap goals. And I think that Newcastle will take a lot of comfort from that. So it's really, really difficult to call. But I do think on paper, Manchester United are the favourites. However, I think Newcastle will love going into the game as the non-favourites and the underdogs. I think that's something that Eddie Howe would prefer. Okay, halfway through the show, time for the ads. A big thanks to all our sponsors, starting with Skips and Bins, telephone at 0800 25 45 25 3. Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website, skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Thanks to Mr Vicky's sources, handmade in Cumbria. You can order them from mrvickys.co.uk. Email them at info at mrvickys.co.uk. 
or call them on 01768 210102. Why not try some new beers at Blowhole Brewery? You can find them at blowholebrewery.co.uk. Thanks also to United Group Travel, UK coach holidays based in Morpeth. Telephone 01670-362-460 or mobile 07957-141-654. Graham, your driver, Beverly answering your calls and looking after you on your tour. Thanks also to three properties. They specialise in sourcing investment properties for their clients who are looking to invest in the northeast. They offer a full in-house service from sourcing the deals to managing the properties for you. They've done over 100 plus deals in the last 12 months for clients all over the UK. Give the guys a follow on Instagram, matty.patta underscore northeast property and phil.read underscore northeast property or email phil at 3property.co.uk if you're interested in getting a good property deal. Thanks to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls and Newcastle and the guys who run our website, nufcmatters.com. Thanks to Media Arts for all the videos. If you want to subscribe to the channel, hit the subscribe button underneath this video today. Hit the thumb up to like the video and click share to share to your social media. If you're out and about, you can catch us as a podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean and the rest. If you want to uh, join the channel, click join and you'll find out our membership packages down there. Very easy to do. Or if you want to become a cult member, £25 a month, go to nufcmatters.com and look for membership pack or put your smartphone over the QR code and it will take you straight there. Anyone who subscribes to the channel will get a free car sticker. To get your car sticker, simply email john at nufcmatters.com. Got a few events coming up over the next few weeks. Steve Howie, Friday the 24th of February at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Tickets available for £29 on voucher. And even though we're Solano, Saturday the 25th of March, tickets £15. Book at nufcmatters.com. Nobby Solano is also at Felling Critic Club on Good Friday the 7th of April at 4 o'clock. Tickets are £10 and available behind the bar. And an evening with Frank Clark and John Gibson, Thursday the 20th of April, that's at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Tickets are £15. Book now at nufcmatters.com. We've also got a vast array of t-shirts available at the website. If you want your special Wembley t-shirt, go to nufcmatters.com and get one now while stocks last. Mentioned already, uh, Bruno's back. Uh, three game suspension uh, for Bruno. It's given him three weeks to think, three weeks to reflect, three weeks to train. Um, his interview was short and sweet, uh, you know, five five and a half minutes. Uh, but it was enough to see that this guy's got passion. Um, photos circulating the day show him and Joe Linton with matching haircuts with a little heart, uh, black and white heart uh, on their heads. But um, he's got to have a point to prove, isn't he? Um, Bruno and and I think this game's won in the midfield, Ben. Uh, it's it, it's all about the midfield tomorrow. I think it's all about the midfield. It's all about the goalkeepers, as I said before. Those are the two areas that I'm most intrigued by. But Bruno is going to have a, a vital role to play for Newcastle, and Bruno's going to have an important role to play for Manchester United as well. And that I think, in essence, is going to define whether the team can find that bit of dynamism, that bit of directness, and it's breaking through the middle of the park that will be the challenge. And if it becomes quite stagnant, then it's going to be about winning second balls and also changing the direction of play and getting it out into more wider areas. So Bruno plays a part in that for Newcastle and Bruno Fernandes for Manchester United exactly the same in many ways and both of them are capable of popping up and scoring a worldie and also breaking into the box as well and they're the heartbeat of the team in the manner that both sides tick so i think that they are going to be very important and obviously in manchester united's formation i think they would play a 4-2-3-1 as they've done for much of the season and that allows bruno fernandez 
the opportunity to play in an advanced position behind the striker from Newcastle's point of view. I still think that Eddie Howe will stick with a 4-3-3, which means that Bruno Guimaraes will be in central midfield still with that opportunity to push forwards, but in a slightly different way to Bruno Fernandes. He'll have to be a little bit more disciplined. He'll have to stay a little bit more central and he'll have less of the ball. And what he does defensively as well as offensively is going to be very important. So that matchup is, I think, going to be one key aspect to how the game goes. And I think that the Manchester United defenders will be very aware that they have to shut Bruno Guimaraes out of the game. And during the suspension, he was missed. And this is the importance, ultimately, of the player. And if you look at Newcastle's last few games, the loss to Liverpool was disappointing, not just because of the Nick Pope sending off, and it happened so early in the game that people will focus on it. But let's not forget, before Pope was sent off, Newcastle were already 2-0 down in the game. So it wasn't only about that sending off. If he was still on the field, you can make an argument that Newcastle have got over an hour to try and get back into the game. And if they get one, they have that ability to bounce back. But even before that, they gave Liverpool a head start and it's very difficult to come back from that type of head start against a side like Liverpool, even though this season they've been a little bit hit and miss. And Newcastle in that game only had, I think, 40% of the ball away at Bournemouth. They had a lot more of the ball, but they didn't really do anything significant with it. And even though there were, I think, 15, maybe even 20 shots and about seven or eight on target, they lack that clinical edge. They lack that balance. They lack that unity. And we've really seen this, I think, even before the suspension, dating all the way back to the middle of January. And it reminds me of the beginning of the season, because the beginning of the season, Newcastle were a little bit hit and miss, but nobody really made as big a deal about it because it was unclear the direction of travel for Newcastle. Then they hit the purple patch and now fans are holding that as the sort of yardstick. And when you look at mid-January onwards, both before and after the suspension, you suddenly see the goals drying up a little bit. Yet Newcastle beat Fulham in mid-January, but only by a goal to nil. The nil-nil draw against Palace was poor. The 1-0 win against Southampton in the League Cup semi-final was decent, but Southampton had a man sent off. The 2-1 victory over Southampton was better at St. James's Park, but that was the game in which Bruno obviously got sent off. And then thereafter, you start to see Bruno's absence because against West Ham, Newcastle were outplayed at times, really. And Declan Rice showed his worth. But would it have been the same story if Bruno was involved in that game? In the 1-1 against Bournemouth, as I say, I think Newcastle were just lacking that bit of quality in the centre of the park. And 2-0 against Liverpool, you just need your big players. It's as simple as that, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the sending off, regardless of the early Nunez and Gakpo goals. You need a player like Bruno because he's a big occasion type footballer. And that's why I expect him to raise his game against Manchester United and be highly significant. And I think that the formation that Newcastle play will be very important to all of this as well. And I expect Eddie Howe to not change was, anything that Newcastle are not used to. I, I was going to say that because ASM starts as Graham could throw a curveball and start both Wilson and Isaac as a 2 4 3 1 2. Tom Dixon asked earlier as well, what formation do you think will play? So, I mean, go on, give it, give us your prediction what you, what you think Eddie Howe will do tomorrow. Well, I think Newcastle have been at their best in a 4 3 3. So, to move away from that for me feels a little bit more risky, and therefore you have to start thinking about who might come into the side and whether they fit the style and the formation. And when you look back at Liverpool, it was a 4-3-3 starting formation. When you look back at Bournemouth, again, he stuck to his guns. And when you go all the way back to the 0-0 against Manchester United, it was also a 4-3-3 and Manchester United has ever played a 4-2-3-1. So that's my expectation because Newcastle will be relatively happy with that nil-nil away at Old Trafford. It wasn't the best game, but from memory, I think Joe Linton hit the bar. And on a neutral venue like Wembley, I think that Howe won't want to depart formationally from what Newcastle have been used to 
for much of the season. So it lends itself, therefore, towards Karius in goal. I think the back four picks itself in terms of Burn, Trippier, Shah and Botman. And then it gets a little bit interesting. Bruno comes in in central midfield. Longstaff, Joe Linton, I would have thought. Almiron, Wilson and one other. And that's where potentially ASM could be the name that comes into the side just to kind of offer Newcastle something a bit more unpredictable and shake it up a little bit. So I think that that inclusive of ASM would be the way forwards, but it's not necessarily for me about the personnel so much as sticking to Newcastle's identity style formation. You suddenly bring in Isaac and Wilson and play two up front. If you suddenly compensate in your formation to adapt to how Manchester United are playing, that for me is more of a recipe for disaster than Newcastle just trying to play in their own way and style. Because you can start the game and move it around if you realise that there's a problem there. But they look perfectly fine in terms of resilience and organisation away at Old Trafford in a 4-3-3. So I see no reason why Eddie Howe will depart from that at Wembley Stadium. Yeah, I think um, the problem we've got is that ESM is, is, is one of those players who frustrates and annoys. Um, but if he has that one good game in 20 at Wembley, Ben, it could win the cup final. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, he might. And again, a bit like Carrius, completely different context. It's a chance for him to prove something. We've seen so many stories about ASM and how he might be sold or he wanted to leave or there's been a fallout here and there. And I remember I was on a show probably now about six weeks ago and there were these rumours circulating saying that he hadn't turned up for the match day squad. And I said to you at the time as a journalist, you don't want to comment until you've gone to all sides. And then it turned out he was just ill. So there was nothing in that story. And this is the kind of headlines that ASM courts and it leads to perhaps a very divided opinion of him within the fan base because everyone knows what he's capable of but the application hasn't been there the consistency hasn't been there and he's not a 21 year old now he's in his mid-20s so you expect a peak and when he first joined there was a little bit of time to bed in but you could definitely see that he was hungry and could chip in with the odd goal and then by the time we kind of got towards the back end of 2020, 2021 and last season, he was scoring just a little bit more consistently in the Premier League. I think it was five goals in the Premier League last season. And he played in virtually every game. I think he was involved in 35 of the 38 off the top of my head. And then this season, it's 15 appearances. He's been in and out and he's only got one goal. So that's the difference. We've seen a decline in the level of application and consistency so what do you do with that if you're eddie howe do you use him as a weapon and hope the big occasion gets the best out of him or do you go down a different line and obviously from Howe's point of view if he doesn't pick asm i would imagine now he's fit that it would be joe willock instead and i think looking at joe willock it's more interesting because he's more consistent. He's also had his own kind of big game moments, particularly when Newcastle was struggling with relegation and when he was on loan at that point. So there is some history that suggests that Willock can handle the occasion, whereas there's only really gut instinct with ASM and it will be based on what Eddie Howe's seen in training. So I would like to see ASM given the opportunity I would like to see him thrown in and really rise to the occasion because he is that type of player that Manchester United won't be able to have as fixed a game plan for because he's so unpredictable. And if he really takes the game by the scruff of the neck and gets a bit of service, then he can be a difference maker. But I think in all of this, we also have to remember that Newcastle won't have that much of the ball. I think away at Old Trafford, possession-wise, it was certainly under 40% for much of the game. And as a consequence, it's kind of about those front three 
pressing Manchester United and showing they can defend from the front and then being prepared to drop a little bit deeper and anticipate when a counter-attack is going to be possible or be willing to receive the ball and hold it up. So who's the best fit for that in terms of winning the ball in a non-threatening area, realising that Newcastle need a break, winning a cheap free kick, pressing and defending from the front? And these are the kind of things that I think might let ASM down. So if we're judging it on potential and quality and the ability to win a game, you start ASM. But if you need that team player when you're maybe going to be under pressure and you're going to have to adapt and win a cheap free kick and think about defending from the front, then I think that Willock could be a slightly better option for Eddie Howe to go with. And then you bring ASM off the bench when he's capable of doing something sublime. So it's intriguing, really. And I don't have the answer because you can make arguments for both. But what I do think is that it's a welcome headache now that everybody is fit and back for Eddie Howe to have. Yeah, you've had, you've had a bit of chance, I guess, to watch Isaac like we have. Um, you know, he, he brings he brings something different. Where do you think Isaac's best position is? Where can Newcastle get the best out of him? Um, you know, in the final, it's it, you know, it, it, it's an opportunity to win a trophy. Where where would you where would you see him fit in best? I mean, Isaac's a centre forward. It's as simple as that. That's where he sees his own best position, and that's where he thrives. What's great about him is that he can get out wide he can contribute in other areas but he's somebody that innately knows where the goal is so he wants to be central he wants to be as far forwards as possible he wants to get shots away quickly he's good with his back to goal he can hold up the ball he can link up in tight spaces but again from central areas when he's asked to go wider or deeper there's definitely development needed within his game because all he really thinks about is scoring goals and linking up play but from quite advanced positions so he likes to stay on the shoulder of defenders he likes a physical battle he can engage in an aerial duel but he wants to basically get as many touches in the box as humanly possible he wants to be a center forward and that is where he thrives so the challenge for how is if you're going to play wilson through the center in a 4-3-3 then if you add isaac the formation either has to change or Isaac has to appreciate that there's a dynamic with another forward and potentially the midfield and the wide players. So he gets moved out of position or the formation has to change. And at the moment, I don't think that Eddie Howe wants to do the latter. If Isaac thrives and develops, then maybe Newcastle do move to having two up top or it ultimately becomes a succession plan for Callum Wilson. But at this stage, he's almost the wrong fit for the formation if he's going to be a starter. And that's why I think that it's going to take a little bit of time, but he's a good age in that respect because Callum Wilson is not going to be around forever. And as a consequence, if he learns his trade and diversifies his game, then he'll be able to step in into his preferred position over time. What I don't like about Isaac in wider areas is that I think his head drops down and he wants to be direct. He wants to start wide and then get into the box. He wants to keep the ball along the ground. I don't think I've seen as much throughout his career, and he is only 23, of him kind of being explosive and dragging defenders out of position into wider areas. So he's always thinking if he's wide about coming back in. He's always thinking about giving up the ball if he's held the ball out wide and then moving into a more central area. And what you find, for example, with Rashford, with Mbappe, is in that skill set, they know when to go wide. They know when to stretch a defender. They know when to cross the ball. And a lot of that is still developing in his game. It's not a criticism because he's young and he's coming up to speed with Premier League pace. And let's not forget, he's played seven Premier League games. He scored three goals. That's still a really good record. But overall for Newcastle United, he's only played 11 games. And that's why I think in a League Cup final, you're not going to be relying on him as a shock starter or anything to that sort of tune. Now, of course, he's also been injured. So that has impacted upon the game time. But I think what I'm saying about him is if he's going to be more of an all-rounder, 
he gives himself a better chance of starting. But then he has to kind of learn to put the head up, to cross at times, to hold up the ball and then see whether he gets an overlap or there's another outlet. But I think when he's wide, he's still thinking about, I'm wide, how can I get central? I'm not being asked to play as a centre forward. How can I get into the box? And that is more individual orientated than team orientated. So this is normal. It's part of his maturity. It's part of his development. But if you give him a choice, and I think if you ask Newcastle where he'll be in two or three seasons, it will be as a regular starter for the club as a centre forward. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think that's that's where the, the club bought him, you know, to play. But, um, you know, he's had that bad injury. He's had that long layoff. And, you know, he's, he's very much in the infancy of his career. He's one who, you know, will develop for the future. So uh, it will be interesting to see. Uh, I've just been sent this video. It's fantastic. This is Newcastle fans arriving in London. <laughs> Fantastic. Great to see Newcastle certainly going to paint the town black and white uh, tonight. Uh, before we get to uh, um, the end of, end of the show prediction, uh, Toon Statto, of course, is a, a regular on a Friday night. Uh, but let us hear uh, what he said last night uh, with his look ahead to the game tomorrow. Hi, all. The big weekend, the big game is finally coming. Newcastle United playing their 16th major cup final in all competitions. We have won seven, six in the FA Cup, one in the first cup. We have lost eight so far, seven in the FA Cup, one in the League Cup. It's only our second final in the League Cup since the establishment of this competition in England in 1960. Back in 1976, losing to Man City by 2-1 at Wembley. Alan Goling scoring for Newcastle is still the last player to score for Newcastle at the big final. Loris Karius will be in goal for us. He played 49 games for Liverpool, keeping 22 clean sheets, which makes him the second best ratio for clean sheet in the entire history of Liverpool, only after Ray Clemens. When it comes to our opponent, Manchester United, is their 10th final in the League Cup. They have won five. They have lost four. Let's hope that they become 5-5 five and five after Sunday. On Sunday, the referee is David Kut. He refereed three games last season. They were all controversial. Losing 2-0 at Villa, drawing 1-1 at Brighton and losing 1-0 at Chelsea. Funnily enough, he showed the yellow card in all of these games to Jacob Murphy. Away the lads, the tension is building. I'll be in London as well, hopefully with a ticket. Away the lads and let's hope we write some history on Sunday. Great stuff from uh, Andre. Don't forget tomorrow, we've been supporting this all week. Gordon's massive Geordie army. Clap for Gordon in the 14th minute. Justice for Gordon together united. It's uh, it's a big campaign. Uh, we've seen a lot of former Newcastle United players uh, supporting that this weekend. So please, if you're at the game, uh, make sure you clap on the 14th minute and uh they've done it again as well war flags uh leave it a leaving gesture um to the northeast as the set off for wembley this morning uh how we are the lads 2023 wembley uh war flags have draped a big uh flag on the angel of the north it's good to see that you know when you think about it that 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 statue was uh detested but it's in its 25th year ben and uh it's had a few things on it um it's had a santa's hat it had a big alan shearer shirt but now a Wembley 2023 shirt. It makes you smile. Incredible. And I think this is the beauty. The, the League Cup final will be felt in Newcastle as well as at Wembley. And there's unfortunately thousands of Newcastle fans that haven't been able to get a ticket who will either come down to London or enjoy it in Newcastle. And that's what's going to make the occasion so special. And I've said this many times that the affinity between the football club and the city of Newcastle is stronger than ever. 
and that's what made the Mike Ashley era so gloomy in many ways and it's not lost on anybody that knows football that St James's Park sits right at the top of the city looking down on everything and on League Cup final day and across this whole weekend you will see everybody in Newcastle as well enjoying it like the Cup final was staged there and it's going to give a variety of people the ability to see something that many of them haven't in their lifetime which is Newcastle in a major cup final with a chance to win a trophy and as I said right at the top of the show it's about setting the tone for an era for both Newcastle and for Manchester United for Newcastle it's a chance to show that just a year and a bit on from a new takeover with investment with love for the club with focus on the football side with a little bit of funding they can improve to the point where they are no longer a sleeping giant and they're back to that almost entertainer's mantle that we saw under Kevin Keegan it's a little bit different because they're not quite having the same comebacks or scoring the same goals but it's that same vibe that same buzz that same unity that same belief that nobody can beat them and for Manchester United it's about showing ahead of likely new owners coming in or investors that under Eric Ten Hag they've stabilized and they mean business so there are parallels even though Manchester United will see themselves as long-standing winners of these type of trophies and even though they've got a glittering history they're kind of back to square one and have been since the end of the Sir Alex Ferguson era by their standards and as a consequence for Eric Ten Hag to win a trophy this early in his tenure is going to be era-defining and season-defining because Manchester United are still ultimately competing for a quadruple. And for Newcastle, it's again about setting the tone. If they win the League Cup against Manchester United, it's going to be used as that bit of momentum to try and get them over the line for Champions League football. If they get a trophy, it's going to provide this chemistry, this joy this unity this passion that will permeate far beyond just the footballers that win it and the football club and that's going to have such an impact on the city of newcastle on the community on the fan base that not only would wembley go down in history but i genuinely think it will give newcastle enough to refresh themselves in the run into the end of the season and get champions league football as well so it just feels like such a pivotal game not just because it's a final but in the context of both Newcastle and Manchester United seasons okay Ben the time has arrived I need a prediction from you Newcastle United six Manchester United nil <laughs> <laughs> brilliant that's a great end of the great end of the show <laughs> no I mean I can't go that high I genuinely think it's going to be nervy it's tight it will be Alex Ferguson's squeaky bum time my prediction is that we'll get a 1-1 and it will go to extra time and penalties and then Carius will be a hero and Newcastle United will win 5-4 on spot kicks. Wow, this is the most in-depth prediction that we've had on the show, <laughs> mate. I love that. I love that. I'll go with that, mate. It's going to be nervy, um, squeaky bum time, as you say, but that is absolutely fantastic, mate. So uh, great. Stuff. And you're actually at the game tomorrow. You're covering it, aren't you? Yeah, covering the game, looking forward to it, looking forward to seeing many of my friends from Newcastle and Manchester United. Hopefully we'll get to catch up as well, Steve. I know that you're setting off tomorrow. But look, as I said right at the top of the show, get into Wembley as early as you can. Enjoy the train, as we just saw in that video. Enjoy the London atmosphere. Get out and about in Newcastle if you're not going. Sometimes with these games, we take them for granted, especially in League Cup final mid-season. And we get sucked a little bit into just the game, the performance, the result. And if Newcastle lose, it's doom and gloom, it's disappointment. But you don't know when you're going to go back to Wembley. So don't take the day for granted because you've basically got longer before your team, if they're the losing team, let you down to savour it than worry about only the game and then being downbeat on the journey back. So it's that drive down, it's that train journey, it's your arrival in London, it's your night out before the game, it's your drink in the build-up, it's the programme that you buy that you can keep forever. It's a father-son or father-daughter or mother-son moment. It's a um, walk out and see them warm up. Even if they lose, 
It's uh, being greeted by the fans at the end to thank you for making your long journey. And I know that the be all and the end all is trying to win a trophy. So nobody's saying that any of that trumps the fact that Newcastle could win a trophy. But there's two things. There's the experience of being in a cup final and savouring it and connecting with fellow fans. And then there's the game itself. And I would encourage fans to spend as much time now enjoying the pre-match ritual and celebrating the fact that you're there and walking down Wembley Way and all these other little things and getting a memento from the day and having a personal moment that regardless of the result, you remember for the rest of your life. That's one aspect. And it's the most human aspect of being in a cup final and bonding over the sport that we love. And then there's the game itself. And of course, that will define a lot of people's emotions. But just remember that first part, because these days don't come around too often. No, they definitely don't. Uh, let's just hope that in the 45th second of the uh, game tomorrow, this happens. And Callum Wilson gets the goal. That would be great. Uh, listen, Ben, have a great day. Hopefully we will catch up, mate. Um, but if not, look forward to getting you back onto the show to talk about how good it is for Newcastle to win the first trophy in 67 years, domestic trophy. But uh, for now, take care, mate. And thanks to everybody in the chat. Thanks to the moderators. I'll be back live Monday night. All being well. Take care.